Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Grizzlies Podcast with Grizzlies beat reporter Ron Tillery, columnist Jeff Calkins, and pick-and-pop columnist Chris Harrington. We are live in the Go Cubs Go studios at the Commercial Appeal. Yes, we'll talk Grizzlies because this is the Grizzlies Podcast. I am Ron Tillery. The only beat writer the Memphis Grizzlies have ever known, alongside columnist Jeff Calkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington. But if we, how, how if, quickly if, do you go from being charming to obnoxious? Is the question. <laughs> That's the question. Like right now, you're charm. It's charming. The Cubs a fantastic oh, story. You know what? You know how what? quickly do you go from be, does the Cubs the, all that stuff in, 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 become obnoxious in a, in a Chicago second? Because before we talk, <laughs> before we talk Grizzlies. Uh-huh. We are all sports fans, and everybody's listening is a sports fan. You don't have to be a Cub fan. Right. But the Cubs winning the World Series was a national story. And that World Series, going seven games in extra innings, was unbelievable. So I want to start by getting you guys' take just on that as a sports fan. Yeah, no, I mean it was magnificent. It was, yeah. um, it was absolutely magnificent. It was, I, I don't know, like, there's the old recency bias, and and I said on the radio this morning that I thought it was as good a sporting event as I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, then people, or you know, whether it's the best World Series game, people are starting to, th- they talk about or best World Series. People are talking about Game Six with the Cardinals and 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 Texas, and they're talking about uh, the the Minnesota Atlanta series, which was unbelievable in '91. And there's a lot of, great, but those didn't have the context of 1908. Well, it, it was the fact that you had yeah. all of the ghosts and the buildup and everything else. I covered the 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 Red Sox winning the World Series. They swept. I think it, it wasn't. You had all the history, but you didn't have the drama in the moment. Sure. Here you had the history, the context, and the drama in the moment. Well, and, and in addition to, to all of that, I mean, I think this is sort of a unique situation in that not only had they not won since 1908, is that what it, what it is? Right. And it's obviously a high-profile team in a major market, but it is a uniquely nat- – not uniquely, but rare rare in that they are a national team because of the whole WGN Superstation stuff. Right. right. I mean, I grew up in Arkansas, and I watched the – I'm not a Cubs fan, but I watched the Cubs probably more than any other baseball team growing up because it was the Cubs on WGN and it was the Braves on TBS – and I, the Cubs were more interesting to me. And the, the games were on during the day. So when I was a kid at home during the summer, like there's always day games on. And so I grew up watching Andre Dawson and Lee Smith and Ryan Sandberg and all these guys. I'm not even a Cubs fan, but I have a connection to that franchise in a way that I don't many other. Well, I have to say this. Uh, one of the great th- thrills of my life was actually calling my dad in Chicago this morning. And he is 87 years old. He raised me as a Southside Cubs, Cubs fan because he was a fan of Jackie Robinson and the Brooklyn Dodgers. And his dad took him to Cubs game. He took me to Cubs game. And uh, he told me, he said, now all he has to see is a woman president, and he will have seen it all. So, <laughs> guy served in the, in the military, saw a black president, saw the Cubs win the World Series. You know, there's, there's only one thing left. So, from the national story to the national disaster that was <laughs> the Grizzlies' ugly win Oof. in FedEx Forum over the Pelicans last night. Boy, um, I tell you what um, – they are three and two, but as you pointed out, Chris, um, 
you know, those wins haven't necessarily been impressive. It actually, the full measure of, of it did not occur to me until we were just talking before the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. They have played five games. Mm-hmm. They have not played a game against a basketball team that has a win that is not against the Memphis Grizzlies. Even their losses. Their losses are against all five games. They they played they, they played <laughs> the Pelicans who were winless. They played right. the Wizards who are winless. They've played the um, Knicks whose only win was the game right. against the Grizzlies. And they played, and they played the Wolves whose only win was against the Grizzlies. So they have not played against a single team that has beaten anyone that is not the Grizzlies. And they have uh, you can you can argue that they punted on two of the on, on their losses that they punted on their losses one and a half at least one yeah. and a half. But they didn't exactly cover themselves with glory in their wins. I mean, they all those wins could easily have been losses, including last night's. Um, so it is a – I don't have a sense as right. to how good this team is or how potentially bad this team is. And and while there's no question that we can say they're not playing with a full full group, now it's just Chandler – well, Brandon Wright. I don't know what the hell's happening. Right. Right. But, and now it's – you know, Tony's bad. Like, a lot of the rotation was there last night, and they looked horrific. Now – Adjustments, you know, who knows how it's all going to well, play it, out. Well, it was the fourth game in five nights. Right. Even though they had rested Conley and Gasol, for the whole team, it had been focusing on four basketball games in five days right at the beginning of the season. And that's the kind of thing that the NBA has got to fix that scheduling wise. That shouldn't even be happening. Yeah, because so, they'll play Friday, Sunday, Tuesday after four and five nights. Right. And then they'll have a, a block of days off and won't play again until the following Saturday. So you're right. The schedule is ridiculous. But when you talk about punting games, Jeff, you know, I, I don't know where you guys fall on this, but but the idea that you would just not play guys this early in the season doesn't sit well with me. I, you know, it's one thing to, to play Mike Conley the first six minutes in, in New York and not the, the rest of the first half. But to to not play those guys in Minnesota, I don't, I don't I don't know if that just makes a whole lot of sense. What do you get out of? Here's my point: if you play for if you play Mike Conley limited minutes like you get, did against New York. And take the L because you're playing in limited minutes. What's the advantage then of playing him any minutes? In other words, I'm not trying to lose close games. I'm trying to win as many games as I can. If I'm arresting him, why not maximize the rest by sitting the guy out and saying, in other words, I didn't need, if, if, if Mark could play 20 minutes in a loss, that does me no good. Instead, sitting out and then he played 38, 39 minutes last night in a W. Doesn't that make more sense as a way to use your minutes? Well, but the thing is, is like, in New York, he played six minutes, and they fell behind 18 points. I don't think that happens if he plays even limited minutes. I mean, I mean that was like almost not playing at all. But, but here's the thing, Chris. You can get hurt in practice. That's true. I mean, take practice off. But to, to take the entire game off, I, I don't think that necessarily ensures uh, um, not getting injured like they seem to, to believe. Well, I think there is something to cumulative wear and tear and, I, and that applies to practice as well as games yeah. like you say but I, I i think the early in the season is sort of was is not a reason not to do it it's more of a reason to do it because it is early in marcus all's rehab right like you know they talked in the preseason about building him up and so i i think they're i think it's likely they are more careful now than they may be a couple months from now particularly because of the houston game he had no business playing right that game. Well, that's what was insane. That, that, right. it, the, the, in, in the, the cautiousness, their their caution during the regular season is sort of in jarring juxtaposition to their lack of caution right. in, the, in preseason. the preseason. I will say that is a curious wrinkle, but I, I don't mind their caution so far. In I, the I think season. the Minnesota game is all. I mean, I don't think this will be the last time you see you see a DNP rest, but mm-hmm. I think the Minnesota game is almost a special circumstance because 
It was the third game in four nights. They had gone over what they wanted to do with him two days before. But they had a day off. Yeah, but, I mean, I just think they have 150, well, 150 in Conley, but they have a combined more than $250 million invested in these two players. They're both coming off, you know, foot, Achilles, lower leg injuries. It is early in the season. I, I think they are right to be cautious. Now, they can't do that this too much. They can't afford to competitively. They won't make the playoffs. Right. Because they're not the Spurs. Right. Even though they want to employ the Spurs philosophy. Well, they don't have a bench. that, no. that that's, We saw that in Minnesota. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I'm fine with what they did in Minnesota. I, I think, you know, this is the only four-game and five-night set the entire season. Sure. It is early where they're still getting, especially Gasol, still getting, you know, still getting back up to speed from the injury. You know, if they start doing it a lot, I think it's it's maybe you can question it. But I, I don't I have no problem with what they did in the Minnesota game. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the um, the shift gears here, the the uh, more optimistic aspects of the game last night, even though the Pelicans game was very ugly, was just how comfortable J. Michael Green seems to be more and more each night out. And and, and I'm not just talking 21 points. He's taken on the biggest challenge defensively from Carr Anthony Towns in Minnesota to uh, Anthony Davis of the Pelicans, and he's he's doing – He's holding his own. And we thought we might, yeah. mean, but you know, foul out. Like he had, he had some right. issues with foul and issues. Yeah, right. And so there were two questions to me about him. One is, would he be able to effectively stretch the full floor? We know he's going to hustle, make those kind of plays, but can he stretch the floor and can he guard? And he's gotten, I think he's answering those things, both those questions about him in the, about, yeah. in the affirmative. And, and as much as, you know, we talk about, and legitimately, like, you know, Zach, Zach Randolph coming off the bench, give him that score off the bench. The main reason they made that change is for their defense, defense in the starting lineup, yeah. particularly uh, in pick and rolls. Exactly, yeah. um, and that's why it's close. That's why they're only starting games that way. They're closing games that way, and I think you know it, it is a relative, especially when you bring Chandler Parsons into the mix. Do you have another ball handler shooter? It is a relatively low usage role they're asking him to play offensively. You know, he doesn't have to do a lot: make hustle plays, put backs, knock down open jump shots, and then play defense. And I think he's shown that he he is a good fit in the role they're giving him to play. That he can do it, which 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 is what happened to force overtime because it was an open three. Right. And he did not hesitate. He took it. Yep. No, I mean, he no. looked. He looked. He. Let's be honest. James Ennis and Jamichael Green and I sort of have said, if those are your starting wings, what kind of team are you? But before the year, but the truth matters. They carried him last night. I think Ennis was plus twenty eight last right. night. He played very well. He can shoot the three too. Um, it raises some interesting questions. What happens with him when Chandler Parsons returns? I don't, you don't necessarily know the answer to that. Whether he'll get minutes at the two over Tony, or what will happen there. Um, but they, those two, saved the game last night. Oh, there's no question. I think Ennis may may be their most efficient player right now. The way he's playing, knocking down three because he doesn't he doesn't try to do too much. He's sort of like they're, he and Jamichael are similar in that way. Yeah, and that that they they play hard. They play good defense. They knock down open shots. They rebound. They don't try to get fancy with the ball and do too much. Yeah. So Tony Allen is back. Is speaking of getting fancy with the ball, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, he was hilarious. I forgot to put it in my. I forgot to put it in my uh, in my thing this morning. But one of the great moments last night was he tracks down that that length of the court pass, makes the lovely save, and then for whatever reason he feels compelled to take a three pointer, uh, airballs it. Mike Conley is preparing to check in at this time. Bursts out laughing. Mike is like shaking his head and laughing. You know why? Because then Tony went down and fouled. 
So it, yeah, it, then, it was all of that and a foul at the end of the and sequence. Then, uh, and then Tony afterwards, he said it was great. He said, uh, David Fizzale yelled at me for the first time last night. He said he was, <laughs> it was great. He got his first time to yell at me. And uh, so we had that. Yes, we had Tony's triumphant return. Do you, do you have a bleep button over here? Because it was all probably like, what the are you doing? <laughs> well, it was. It was. I mean, I know it wasn't the first Tony Allen game, but I feel like that was the real baptism for David Fisdale of the, the Tony <laughs> Allen experience as a head coach. Others have been there. Now, now he is experiencing it. Well, with Tony back, um, Andrew Harrison gets the DMP. So, what do we think of the rotation? It, it probably is starting to ease more, and we're still waiting on Chandler Parsons, but it's starting to ease toward what Fisdale intends to do. Yeah, I mean, I think you know that. Minus Parsons, that looked like what I would have expected, you know, mm-hmm. going into the se- into the preseason, going into the season with the roster. The only difference being that, you know, I think when they signed Troy Daniels, you thought maybe he would get like backup two guard minutes. Yeah. And that's not happening. Not at all. Other than that, the, the rotation looked like what you would expect it to be with the players available. I don't I I don't think it's going to solidify this soon into mm-hmm. the season, especially given the inconsistency you're going to get at back and point guard, no matter who you play, and given I think I think I think two guard all season long is going to be a juggling act. Chris has made the point before that um, that the real issue is is there's no one. There's some questions about whether Tony fits in this offense, right? How will he fit? Will his skills cutting the basket will they you know be be appropriately utilized? Yeah, because Mark's not on the block and neither is Zach. Right, right, yeah, but. <laughs> There's, as Chris has said before, who's the alternative? Like, like there's not an obvious. Yeah, there's no Jermichael Michael Green, Jarrell Martin, like there is, you know, with Zach Randolph at the power forward. Well, just playing devil's advocate, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, J. Michael Green wasn't obvious. Yeah, you know. Now, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. He's if, more if obvious, Ennis, to, but like, who could it possibly? It, 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 it could be Ennis. Ennis, Ennis is Ennis. the one it could be. I, I think he's been extremely efficient. Well, yes. I, I mean, you know, I, I did a podcast earlier this week with Kevin Arvitz. We were, and he he was a big James Ennis fan. He brought it up, so we started talking about it. He mar- remarked about how because he he was down in Miami for a while and is well acquainted with that situation, and, and that he thought David Fizzle was a big Ennis fan and really liked him. And I just sort of made the point that I can see – I don't know whether this would be the starting lineup ever necessarily, but in terms of soaking up minutes and maybe finishing games, I think you could play you – know, obviously you have Conley Gasol, but I think you could play Ennis Parsons, Jamichael Green, all three between them because they can all shoot threes now. So you can stretch the floor right around a Conley Gasol pick and roll with all three of those guys. And I think James Ennis and Jamichael Green are versatile enough defensively all three of those players can just switch defensively, and you can hide whoever. And there'll be some situations where you have really good two guards that you want someone. You don't want James Ennis guarding the really good two guard. Mm-hmm. There aren't that many great two guards in the NBA anymore. No, I actually think it'd be situational. Like David Fisdale doesn't seem at all hung up on position or or, or starting lineups. Like he'll, yeah, he'll start for someone, Mike and Mark. except yeah. for Mike and yeah. Mark, he'll start someone. So some days you could see Tony starting if there's someone you want him to guard and some days you could say that we there's no one for Tony to well, guard. I've been calling Let's have, I've been calling for situational starting start, lineups yeah. with Tony Allen for like 4 years. And I think so you, if they actually do it, I think you may well him. get him. I, he yeah. the way that he's approached starting lineups so far except for that Mike and Mark, he'll do whatever. So I could actually see it unfolding that way. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Parsons will be a fixture if, when he's Parsons will clearly well. be a fixture that's too. The, right? That's yes. the big three as they transition from the core four and grit and grind basketball. Clearly, right? If if Parsons can stay healthy, you know. So I I, I gather we're expecting him within the next week or so. Uh, is that what you? I mean, I've been saying mid November for like a month, okay. um, and I haven't heard anything necessarily to dissuade from that. Although I did, I did some person, one person of. Uh, 
employed by the Grizzlies did suggest to me, oh, you know, he's close. What that means, I don't know, but the suggestion was like, you know, it could be. Do we think? Soon. I mean, he had a game Friday against the Clippers and then Sunday against Portland. Interesting games because those teams have beaten <laughs> those teams. Have beaten real have teams. Beaten real well, teams. And, and Portland pursued Chandler Parsons. And Portland pursued Chandler Parsons. Yeah. So could we see Chandler Parsons make his debut as early as Sunday against the team that pursued him? No, probably not. But 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 you know, I was told. By Tony, that his target date was Wednesday, and he actually played Tuesday. So you, you just don't know. And, right. and Fisdale has been pretty transparent about this as much as he can be. It's day to day. Like when they say, "Guy's ready," then he's ready. I, mean, I so. will say, by the way, he's been pretty transparent about everything in a way that's very uh, um, refreshing. Oh, I asked him about uh, Wade Baldwin and the turnovers in that Minnesota game, and he says, "Oh yeah, that was a rookie getting caught up in draft pick draft status." <laughs> He, he, he was a 17 pick playing against the fifth like pick. A, a 360 behind the back pass on the yeah. break. <laughs> and, and, and Fizdale said, and, and, and our guy lost it. <laughs> you, right. know, like, I mean, you know, I mean, he, he, he did not miss words. I mean, he right. said, yeah, that's all that was, you know, because Baldwin had a great opportunity and he just didn't look good that night. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, Fizz is refreshing in that way. I just hope he doesn't get burned or feel like he's gotten burned where then he goes into coach speak. Right, you know, with like a lot of guys do, but right I think now, honestly, in this market, less apt to happen. I mean, if you know, if you're, uh, you know, I, Lionel always imagined he would get burned. I always mm-hmm. thought with Lionel, he he would anticipate the way he was going to get burned as he's answering the question in the Absolutely. first place. You yeah. know, because I think he'd been burned in other places. Right. I don't really think Lionel was, you know, and then, um, so, but I don't. I think if David, I think you know, he's certainly gotten remarkable respect well-deserved respect for the media here and i don't know that he'll you know i think if he continues to carry himself in the way that he has i think well i think one thing he is tired of talking about is the so-called minutes restriction and he went out of his way to say i I prefer to look at it as maintenance program whatever you know so i you know and and that is getting to be a tired no but it was interesting even last night i asked it last night (laughs) because 38 minutes. I mean, it was, and you wondered at overtime as they go into overtime. Well, 38 minutes, he wasn't playing well. And he wasn't playing well. Right. Like, do you, how do you evaluate that? It's an interesting. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because I also felt like, to go back to our earlier conversation, one of the, the ill effects of sitting those guys is they, Mike and Mark are so out of rhythm. Right. You know, like they came back and. Do you and think just, last night's performance was partly because they sat? I think so. I don't, now I don't know the answer. Less, to that. less for Mark because Mark hasn't shot well all season. But Mike was shooting, and he couldn't. I mean, he was missing shots that he normally makes. Right. Last night, he ended up. I guess the game yeah, went on. Okay. He ended up yeah. doing okay. Yeah. Certainly compared to Gasol and Randolph and Tony Allen. <laughs> Randolph, yeah. Zach was Zach had an interesting night last night. He becomes the all-time field goal leader. Is that it? All-time field goal leader for the franchise. Right. Field goals made. Uh, yeah. And uh, but well, you know. Couldn't hit anything. I don't know where he is on shot attempts. He's going to get there really quick. And at, <laughs> at, at, this pace. at some point, he, he had 18 some, last night. At some point, he did the slapping rump slapping. It didn't seem like a night to be rump slapping because he wasn't. It was not his best night. But boy, he got his shots up. Yeah. But I tell you what, you know, let's end on that note because I'm glad you brought him up. What a fitting accomplishment for a guy who started this all. I mean, in terms of the Grizzlies being an elite, relevant Western Conference team. It started with the acquisition of Zach Randolph. And, you know, we can talk about him losing a step now, but when they got him, I mean, you couldn't stop him. Like, he he literally put this team on his broad shoulders. He's the first Grizzly to make an all-NBA team. Yes. And uh, All-Star? 
Powell wasn't. No, Powell, 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 yeah, Powell, yeah, Powell made it as a reserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just fitting that that he's put his stamp on this on this team with that with that record. Right. No, yeah. and people people obviously love him. He talked about it after the game. Um, you know, we've been through it all at this point, sort of how he was welcomed here, sure, and whatever else. But what was it too was interesting is how he he talked about even after my career is over, you know, this is home. And uh, I don't know, like that's that a you it's it's true. Like he's he's become a he's become a soccer dad during his transition um, since he arrived in Memphis. He's he's become something other than what he once was. He's grown up. He's grown, and now he's looking looking to the day when he's going to be hanging around in Memphis and not necessarily playing for the Grizzlies. And um, so, yeah, it was a it was a fitting fitting night last night from that perspective. All right, I think we'll leave it there on a positive note. Grizzlies three and two, having played against teams with a combined record of, uh, well, their their losses are against teams with the combined or the wins against teams with a combined record of one and ten. But like I said, they have yet to play a team that has beaten anyone that's not the Grizzlies. That's changing this weekend with the Clippers and the Blazers. Yeah, we make it. A did, little did I just pivot sense. from positive to negative? No, is that is that, is that what that was? <laughs> no. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at you next week. Like the commercial appeal on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Memphis News. This is the commercial appeal.